CMG Podcast, Change, Maintain, Grow. I'm Keith Masima. This is my brother, Ben Shea. Episode 16. My man, we're back. Episode 16. They're getting up there. How are you, man? Good, brother. How are you? How's that ankle? Yeah, ankle's still there. Woke up this morning and, um, yeah, looked look down at my feet and still there, so <laughs> That's can't man. complain. That's a start, brother. That's a start. Um, <laughs> Keen for this up here, man. Keen for, for our next guest. Man, he's a uh, – well, we just finished recording. We're jumping on now. We're going to do the intro. Um, he, it's crazy. I, I think everyone's going to get so much out of it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I definitely did. And, um, you know, my head's still turning, you know, trying to process some of the, the things I picked up. So, yeah, keen yeah. for our listeners to, to hear a bit what he's got to say. Yeah, Justin Louie, he's got some, you know, his philosophies, what he's been through, what he's doing now. It's huge. I think everyone's going to, you know, can take so much from it and – so there might be a few little lags in it because I'm rolling from Australia. Keith's obviously rolling from France. Justin's rolling from Bali. There might be a few little drops, but I think if everyone just bears with it and uh, I think, you know, the important part is his message. That's the essential part. I, I'm not going to go back and cut too much out because I think, you know, you'll pick up what he's putting down. It's pretty good for the majority. So the main thing is, as we said, the message and there's so much good stuff there, different perspectives. Yeah. And as you said, your mind's still turning because that's probably the first time you've heard him speak uh, really in person. Like we obviously talk about yeah. him and, and whatnot, but yeah. So exciting, brother. I think everyone's going to enjoy. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right, my man. Well, Let's do it. Let's get him on. All right. Welcome. I'm here with my man, Keithy, as always, my partner in crime. Welcome, brother. Good morning. Good morning. And we have our guest today, Justin Louie. My, I guess it's good to have you two boys on here at the same time because I'm always talking in third person. I'm telling Keith about Justin. I'm telling Justin about Keith. So it's good to have two of my favorite people in the same combo that we can uh, <laughs> talk about things finally. But I guess to sum you up Justin for everyone listening I kind of refer to you as my spiritual advisor yeah you are um <laughs> I love yeah. that <laughs> my spiritual advisor you. yeah you're uh like you're a role model you're a leader and I guess you would you you live an alternative lifestyle to most people you know nine to five day in day out you, you're kind of doing something a bit different than them but I think it's a lifestyle that everyone should live or everyone should at least take aspects from you, you currently living in Bali. You do a lot of charity work. You're very spiritual. Um, and I guess you're just on that constant search for, for peace and happiness and whatever that entails. You, you know, you're very involved in your fitness, human optimization, all that type of thing. But for anyone listening, it hasn't always been that way for you, my man. Has it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> No way, brother. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on and thanks for the uh, introduction and very kind words, my man, and, and back at you. I mean, as much as, uh, like we always say, we feed off each other. I love what you're doing and what you're about in this journey. Um, so it's been an honour to be able to, you know, share in these sort of deep conversations that we've sort of had previously and touch on, obviously, spirituality and human performance and, I guess, optimising just life in general. Um, but, yeah, it definitely wasn't always that way. <laughs> it was... Um, it was the complete opposite, I guess. It's, it's night and day difference. Well, yeah, you're a, I don't know, how would you say it? you're a recovered addict or you're a recovering addict? What do you what do you kind of describe it as now? Is it always recovering because it's always a constant journey? It's not just, oh, you've recovered, full stop, we're on to the next thing. How do you kind of des describe that? 
Yeah, well, I guess that one's a little bit of a, a complex one because I guess I don't ever like to to affirm with that word addict or because, I mean, the three most powerful words are I am and whatever comes after that. I guess that's kind of like a little bit of my beef with the 12-step method is because that's one of their main focuses on is is identifying, okay, I am Justin, I am an addict. It's kind of like you may have been that, but you have a choice in today moving forward. If you affirm with that, then that's all you're ever going to be. But it's also not using a, like it's, it's a two-pronged approach because you're not trying to kid yourself either. You've obviously got to look yourself in the mirror and go, you know, I'm pretty fucked up here. <laughs> you know, I need to change. But, uh, but to be able to have change and what I believe is, is being about the, a big success in change is as affirming with a high vibration of what you are. Even if it's almost to the point of you've got to try to fake it till you make it, you know what I mean? That whole, you're trying to quit smoking. And I used to do this, I'd be like, no, I'm not a smoker, I'm not a smoker. Meanwhile, I'm chugging back like 50 smokes a day with all this other shit. But people used to think you're a fucking idiot. You are a smoker. But but if I affirm I'm a smoker, then that's where I'm going to be. And that, that is very important with the whole addiction recovery too. So I definitely would say of, um, uh, definitely been been addicted heavily addicted i guess you could say i'm a, I'm a recovered addict um but yeah i don't ever sort of the first couple of years in the process was like you got to completely go away from all that stuff you got to not let any triggers come into your environment like you got to know your strengths know your weaknesses but then i guess the last sort of couple of years was about coming back to balance because if i got to re restrain from say alcohol because i know it's a trigger then technically that still has power over me but when obviously there's an important phase of the recovery where you've got to strain from all that sort of shit, you can't afford to have one because you haven't developed the muscle. But then it comes to a point where if you, if you want to have a beer, you can have a beer because then the power lies in you being able to have a beer with your buddies if you choose to, and then only having that one beer or having a glass of wine with your partner at dinner and then that not having the trigger. And I feel that's where it comes full circle. And it's not to say, obviously drugs just have to be, you know, there's no just having one line and just say no, because there's kind of a, <laughs> you've got to draw a line there. But uh, obviously psychedelics, I'm a massive advocate for those because I feel, um, and I don't put them in the drug category. And I believe that's where society, I guess the big governments want you to put those things as under a drug to deter the population from experimenting with them. Because I feel once you do experiment with an ayahuasca ceremony or you know some psilocybin or something, it makes you think differently <laughs> for the better, obviously with the right set and setting and it makes you act differently. And I guess that's uh, a threat to these big, these big bodies that try to keep us um, <laughs> like sheep in, in the paddock. Um, so <clears throat> kind of like, it's funny because obviously it was probably about my fourth, fourth year mark was still like, wasn't, you know, there'd be no, no thought of doing any sort of, um, psychedelics or whatever because in my understanding that was still a drug so i was like no you're fucking kidding yourself you know you got a problem with that you can't go back and it wasn't until i really started to to you know watch the stuff there's some awesome stuff on gaia um anyone that's sort of on the fence with that there's a really good series it's called psychedelics and consciousness i feel like that was the first thing i watched and really started to, to listen to these people the experience that way they think the way they are the lives that they've created and i'm thinking like fuck you know there's something in this so i did more research and and then obviously a lot of the ancient civilizations that you know um practice in the shamanistic traditions of ayahuasca and and these people are really connected they're beautiful people they're full of love full of and i'm thinking like 
okay, well, I need to draw a line here and realize that there's, there's very difference between a bag of Coke and uh, a few pingers. <laughs> and there's a lot of difference between, you know, embarking on an ayahuasca ceremony or with the right people in the right setting, setting or taking some LSD or doing some psilocybin. Because I feel like from my own experience, you know, getting a bag and on the pingers was, I mean, the early days, they've got a lot of good times, let's be honest. Drugs were fun. They'd, they sort of, you know, they helped us connect on a deeper level with our buddies at festivals, which is, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of good goodness within that. But I guess when you go over that point of using drugs to, on a weekend, every sort of six weeks or whatever, to using them, you know, the stuff, what I was doing in the later days of my life was like, it's when you're sick, you, you can't function without the stuff. You become so depressed and, and uh, in a, such a dark space where <laughs> that's the fucking the shit you need to stay away from. So I guess um, for me, it was, yeah, educating yourself um, and just sort of getting into, sort of lost my train of thought there, but sort of just getting into. You kind of um, thinking drugs on a different level, like the psychedelics, you know, not, not thinking about them as drugs, drugs, more as tools to access, as you kind of said before, a higher state of conscious consciousness like oh, um exactly, yeah exactly and well, i guess that, that was where the work sorry bro no you keep going um, i'll just finish on that last bit i guess that was where because i guess the first four years like i was pretty lucky enough well maybe they're lucky but i worked pretty hard to to um put myself in a position that i could you know pull away from the restraints of my my business and whatever to really have that time to work on myself and i just look back and think all the, work, the self-development work I did for that block. And I, you know, I'd, I'd changed so much, but then I remember doing my first ayahuasca um, ceremony and I was just like, holy fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what they say. Sometimes you can embark on it and it can do 10 years worth of um, um, you know, therapy work. And that was kind of like where all the books I read and all the stuff that I was, I was doing that helped me change so much. But then I had an opportunity to, to, I guess, experience that world and that was where for me it was just like whoa that's where i know it can it can help change people and i know it can do all these beautiful things but also know it's got to be it could be a band-aid too like you know you got to be able to have put the foundation and you got to lay the slab from which you can build the castle you can't expect to i guess run to uh, and use them as a band-aid well i guess that's why i think i connect with you and your story so much and i Keith the same like I always talk to Keith about you and I think you know we can both draw comparisons because it's like no matter what you've got going on in your life and the bad habits you know you can work towards change no matter where you're at so obviously you've elicited huge change over especially the last five years of your life it's been probably you know five years since you've you've started this journey towards change you'd say but yeah I guess before we get into that too deep and the steps you took take us back a little bit because I was telling a few of the boys that I had you on and guys that know you, I was telling them that we'll, we'll, we we're going to have you on today. And they're like, fuck yeah, I like, can't wait because they know who you are and what you're doing, but they want to get the background on your story as well and kind of put it all together. So take us back, I guess your background and upbringing and kind of what set you up and led you into what you were doing and led you into what you are now. Yeah, I guess it, um, we talk about environment a lot too. And I, I, I guess growing up in the environment that I grew up in, and I, before we dive into that, I don't use this 
as any way of trying to um, have any sort of victimhood about it. Like I don't try to put the blame into anything, whether it's my parents or my environment or my, my family or anything that happened. I, as soon as we start to blame or, or say something, um, we take the power away from us. So I guess, but it's about having understanding. So, I mean, looking back and at the same time, it's taken me 33 years to really, I guess maybe even 34 years. I'm 35 now, but to really understand that. So from growing up as a kid, I guess the environment for me was, um, you know, rich with sort of drugs, alcohol, violence. So I guess I adapted this in, uh, perspective on how you deal with life or how you deal with um, stress, either through one of those resources, either through, like I had a hell of a temper, um, and obviously through either, you know, swallowing it with alcohol or drugs. So from a child, I guess through school, like I just struggled so bad at school. Like <laughs> I just felt like a fucking, like I felt so inadequate and obviously I hated that feeling um, for being inadequate because I mean, no one likes to feel like you know, a dummy or whatever. So, I mean, I was always getting into trouble or sort of for me to get out of that, which is either get into a scrap or, or just be naughty or tell the teacher to flipping the bird or flip a table or something gets suspended. So I guess I never really adapted any sort of education going through school and, and obviously dropped out when I was in grade eight to start working. Um, yeah, sort of love work, loved, um, you know, getting with sort of older men and, and being a part of somewhat of a, uh, I guess, a community or a connection. And, and obviously I sort of had a, had a few little bad habits quite young, like smoked, smoked some weed and didn't like, didn't mind a dart or love sucking on a beer. So <laughs> being a sort of 13, 14 year old kid, being around these adults, that's their life. So that sort of flourished. But I guess I had this work ethic ingrained, which I, um, which obviously helped me a lot because I just loved working hard. But I obviously didn't adapt any um, skill set that could handle my emotions, or um, obviously I was limited with uh, my education. So I was limited to what resources I could call upon as far as I guess having the smarts. I had the brute, I had the sort of the work and the, and the strength and that sort of stuff to go through. So that sort of transpired through sort of my teens and, and just, just playing for, footy too. Just for those listening, that, that work, that was concrete. You, you say you were concrete where you're out in the tools, yeah. 13, 14, yeah. banging darts, sucking on a few stubbies and, and concrete with a voice. So yeah, you're kind of yeah. thrown into that uh, adult adult world early on. So sorry, bro, keep going. I just yeah. thought I'd let everyone know there, yeah, concrete. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And, um, but obviously I love playing footy too. So I was very much of a part of footy growing up. So that sort of kept, sort of kept somewhat of a balance between, um, and, and obviously starting work was sort of a lifesaver because I was getting into pretty bad trouble in the sort of bit of crime when I was young. So starting to work and get me away from my sort of, uh, I guess my um, mates from the hood stealing cars and doing breaking enders sort of helped me a little bit there. Um, and getting stuck into work and, and then I guess very lucky to have worked um, with one really good concrete in particular. He sort of, I got to learn the trade uh, quite good, quite young. So it sort of set me up to obviously start my own company when I was 21, which was quite young. Um, but I mean, once again, go back to the environment, how he was sort of programmed as a kid to sort of deal with stress or deal with uh, my emotions or, or or the tools I used to deal with stress was kind of set me up to obviously to experience the destruction is, is which I did. Um, so then, yeah, the work was, and it's sort of where it all started, I guess, fall, 
not sort of fall apart. I guess I stopped playing footy when I was 21 and just sort of started to concentrate more on my business. And obviously, I've always loved the physical aspect of it, but not playing footy got me to the gym, got me hanging around, you know, some big boys, got me smacking heaps of gear and, and just concentrating on trying to get big and get strong. And and that was kind of the my life for, for a bit and keeping the drugs somewhat under control. I mean, my partner at the time, would sort of keep me grounded, a bit like fog at an airport, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a good thing, but also it sort of, it wasn't a good thing for like when I hit my sort of 26, 27 and we busted up and and um, and had obviously a pretty good business behind me and making lots of money and that sort of just spiraled into a couple of years that were all well and truly fucking out of control and, and obviously driving me deep into the hole. So what, what uh, were you doing actually? In the, what were you doing in those years? Like when that that spiral, as you said, fog at an airport. So that fog lifted, and you were clear to take <laughs> off. What, what did those uh, What did those years involve? When you know when you were going of, at your peak? Uh, well, I guess I had. Well, I'd already acquired a, a taste for for drugs and, and cocaine. I guess more importantly, and um, and I had the money to sort of to back it. So I was obviously just smashing that stuff like yeah it was ridiculous how much how much I was blowing but then it's sort of one thing leads to another you sort of start to I guess you get involved in you know hanging around sort of other low vibrational uh, relationships and people and get caught up in sort of the underworld yeah that just sort of getting caught up in obviously you know a bit of the underworld and and obviously acquiring a taste for drugs and you know getting into um, yeah a bit of dealing and, and obviously uh, a bit of trafficking and, and then those sort of things spiral into, you know, hanging around more of that type of people. And, and that comes with a whole colorful side of life that, uh, I mean, it was, I, I experienced it, but I fucking definitely don't want to go back to it. Um, obviously, because I mean, once you sort of get into that sort of stuff, there's no turning backs very hard then, isn't it? Um, so luckily for me, I sort of experienced that for those couple of years and then, I sort of, I think it was 2013, Christmas time, I was in a pretty bad spot mentally and I decided to you know, make a change. So I bought a jet ski and decided I was going to get back into nature and, and I ended up doing that and I was a good probably five or six months. I went back and uh, played a bit of footy at Wynnum. Uh, I think it was 2014 actually. So I was trying to set myself up for that recovery. I was trying to like, you know, um, get back into footy and, and, trying to do the things that were working for me previously, get, obviously get off the gear and start to be a bit more healthy. And I kind of got a bit of success out of that for about six months. And then I remember um, we finished the footy. I remember uh, I tore me hemi, I couldn't play. And with my mindset at the moment, I was kicking stones and fucking carrying on. And so I started seeing this bird. So we ended up getting some bit of gear and had a bit of a weekend and I thought, oh, I'll be cool. I can just have a bit of a splurge and, and I'll be okay. But that, that kind of uh, just sucked me back in to it again um which is kind of like what it does because i was sort of kidding myself in a sense because i haven't really adapted which is so important is what I, the people that i work with i haven't really adapted the understanding um of what's really going on like on a deeper level when i talk about this programming and this conditioning you know and that's when i tell clients that i work with i said you it says 95 percent subconscious and you got five percent conscious it's kind of like, you know, you've got this featherweight jumping in the ring with Mike Tyson, <laughs> like Mike Tyson being the, the, the subconscious and this featherweight being the conscious. It takes more than just like, 
positive thinking or affirmations or, or whatever. It takes you to have to really understand why you're in the position you're in. And a lot of it comes from the conditioning and the environment that we grew up in. And I'm not trying to blame that or push that there, but it's about having awareness why you are the way you are. And until you actually address those issues, you, the recovery won't ever be, in my opinion, won't ever be long lasting because we haven't really developed um, the real awareness of what the fuck's going on on a biological level and realizing that once you condition your body to act and react in a certain way in that environment, then there's so much chemical processes that are happening that it's like, it takes more than you like, no, nah, I'm quitting. I'm not going to quit. Cause that's like the 5% conscious. But if you've got the 95% conscious going, fuck off, this is what we do. <laughs> you've, you've, you've set me up, you've programmed me this way. You're going to need more than just, uh, and that's where willpower people think oh, I'm mentally weak. It's like, bro, you're not mentally weak. It's just that you're fucking, you're flogging a dead horse. If you think it's going to take your 5% conscious willpower to override your 95 percent subconscious programming and that's where when i started to learn that and i was like fuck this stuff is this is where it's at and then once again we i emphasize that it's not about blaming your mum or your dad or you or your fucking the environment you grew up in because this is where we have a higher understanding of we come we sign this contract to come and have this experience on this third dimensional reality we chose our parents we chose these the obstacles we chose this path so that's why I really emphasize on understanding that because then, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't always that way. Like for years I was played the victim and, and find all sorts of excuses and reasons as to why I am the way I am because it's this person or it's this or it's the stress or it's, you know, I got, got stitched up and a business um, deal years ago and lost a fuckload of money and I was, it, was, it was his fault. I was blaming him. He's the reason I'd fucking go and would snort an eight ball in about half an hour. <laughs> Or, you know, it's this person, it's this, it's not me, but it's like, you know, that's where the power, by you putting your attention on that person or that thing, you're giving up your fucking power to that person or that thing. And there's no change going to come about that. So I guess, um, what, when I started to learn that, and once again, there's some awesome stuff like Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's got a, a really good uh, series on, it's called Rewired on, uh, on Gaia, once again, the, the app Gaia. And he, he, he really gives us, breaks it down. Bruce Lipton does some amazing work on that biology of belief um, to really give people that awareness. Because all of a sudden, sorry to keep going, but anybody just finish this bit. But all of a sudden, it's like the fucking, it's not, because when you're addicted, when you're like bottom of the, you look at yourself like this worthless piece of shit that has got no willpower, that's got no strength because he can't stop doing the way he's doing. And that's such a low vibrational thought it's such a toxic thing that keeps us stuck. But when we understand these things, we learn about these things, all of a sudden it starts to lift us up. It starts to realize that, no, I'm not a weak, but I'm not weak, I'm not fucking this. I understand the way that I am because of these things in this environment. And a lot of that stuff is because what we repeat. So then if I understand that, I know I can choose something else. And then all of a sudden, when you combine the 95% reprogramming of the subconscious with the 5% strong willpower that you have boom it's like fucking you're the powerhouse that you're here to be <laughs> you're not the 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 addict or you're not the person that's you know uh powerless well no nah, don't apologize you keep going brother it's good i'm i'm picking up on learning stuff here and i guess that kind of relating it to our stuff with me and keith and change maintain grow that's 
I guess where you say the kind of um, the two different weight fighters in the ring, that's what we're trying to develop too. Like you, you can develop the change, but unless you develop the tools and strategies to um, help keep that long-term and that, that maintain, that's the main thing, developing those t- tools and strategies to keep that change long-term. And that, you know, so that is re- rewiring and, you know, getting around how we've been conditioned, our upbringing it. And as you said, not, um, not blaming anyone or not putting it on, not playing the victim, but just acknowledging it and knowing it's there because that's obviously the obstacles that you got to get around. Pretty crazy story, eh, Keithy? Can you relate a yeah, little man, bit? Man. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, you know, hearing that, it's given me hope. And I know a lot of the guys that's tuning in um, hope as well. Like, a big uh, part that I took from that is, you know, no matter, you know, what start you got in life or whatever hand um, you got dealt that, it's um, you can turn it around and, that's a big thing that I got from hearing you, Justin, you know, speak on that. Like once you've got that 95 and, and the 5% on board and, you know, in check, you can turn um, any situation around. So yeah, fuck. Awesome story, man. And I'm um, keen to hear more. So uh, we're, we're talking on that turning point, what, what Keithy was leading on. Did you, did you hit a rock bottom? Was there like a point that you can finger like put your finger on and go, fuck it. Like, this is it. You woke up one morning after a three or four day and like, I need fucking change. Or was it kind of an accumulation of things and you'd build up for a month and then have a blowout and then another month and blow out. And it just kind of, how did you get to that point where you thought, okay, I need a change here or I'm going to end up dead essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Cause um, there was definitely rock bottom and I'd, I say there's multiple rock bottoms. Uh, it was kind of like just kept, just kept hitting and getting up, I kept hitting and getting up, but I never really um, was getting, I guess, never really took action on, well, I guess I didn't know. That was probably the biggest thing. That's what I emphasize with people I work with. If you don't know any better, you, you can't choose any better. And that was kind of like, there was a few years there, like even that period there getting involved in, in, some, in the dark sort of side of life. Like that was, you know, even though there was a lot of um, pleasurable things that were going on, whether it's like, fucking cocaine, the gambling, the girls, or what, all these things, that, the luxuries of that, there's still this, like, you know, you, you, it's not fucking, this is shit, like, this is, people think it's fucking what it's supposed to be, I'm like, oh, to be honest, I'd rather be having, I wanted the normal life, so then I guess that was kind of like, really, mental health was sort of just declining, um, and then I, because there was a couple of times, I explained one to you before, and I tried to get myself right, a couple of other times, I'd I'd go clean, I'd get off the shit and I'd be right for maybe a month or two months, but then I'd fall down again. So each one of them I call rock bottom because internally, um, like a lot of people probably wouldn't have known, but internally I was suffering immense like pain and emotional pain, but just didn't know how to, I guess, hadn't had the tools to deal with that or just didn't have, um, uh, I guess, the understanding of what the fuck was going on. It wasn't until... Well, I speak about that business deal that sort of cost me a bit. And then it sort of, um, my, the last rock bottom was when um, I was probably been awake for, I don't know, four or five days. That was the thing. I was at the end there smacking a heap of ice too. Ice to go to work and to work and then come home and go to bed on cocaine and wine. <laughs> so, so there was kind of like this fucking toxic <laughs> thing. And then my mental state at the moment was when you're sitting there at a table and I was plotting the death, of these people that I had intended to kill. And then the end of it was gonna result with me blowing my head off. Um, kind of like, why are you doing that? And it was a, it was a build up of a few months um, where it was really getting 
more serious and serious to the point that it was, you know, it was, I was geared up, ready to go on this sort of killing rampage and have no sort of remorse for obviously these people or the people that are affected, even though in my mind, these people deserved it. Um, but that's the sick part. <laughs> and then that was my, probably my cry for help where the universe really had to intervene then because I feel like I wouldn't have gone on another week. Do you think you would have done it? Like, do you, looking back on it, um, now you're in a better spot. Like, cause that's pretty fucking heavy. And I don't know, you might've dropped a little bit there before, but you kind of said you were getting up and going to work on ice and you were coming home and going to sleep on cocaine and wine. So yeah. How, um, just in case anyone missed that before, but you, that's how you were kind of in this spot. And when you were plotting this, do you think you would have went through with it? Like what's your, to, uh, to be honest, at, at the point that I was at, when I say this, that was my rock, rock, rock bottom. Like, that's what I said about is definitely I wasn't going to be alive for another week at the state that I was in, because at the moment with with my mindset and with everything that was happening and it, you know, there was a lot of dark shit going on in my life that I sort of won't go into too much here, obviously, but there's, um, and not just, yeah, I just prefer to sort of just leave that there, but I would, um, I would definitely think, well, I was definitely in the position to do that. And that's kind of like, where was my cry out to the universe? Like, cause I didn't, don't get me wrong. Like, even while you're doing that consciously, there's your subconscious or this, this, I guess your heart space is like, this is fucking dark, man. What the fuck are you doing? Because this is not normal. And, and the, I guess I was so lucky to have this relationship with my mum, who was just there with unconditional non-judgmental love and compassion. And it was this cry out, for I guess for help and I think she being a mother being so connected to me and that she she probably didn't know it consciously to the extent of the, my plan but she knew like something's got to happen like you know and then that was when uh, I was lucky I seen this YouTube clip of this guy um, Yost who was holding a recovery and then mum said um, yeah what about this guy do you want to go and see this guy do you want to go and book him to do his recovery and then I seen it for about two minutes, clip on the, yeah, and I was just like, yes, I need that. Like, that was my fucking, that was when I say the universe is giving me this lifeline because it literally was this lifeline because I feel like one more week of me marinating in in all that dark shit that I was marinating in was, I think, would be going to be more than enough for me to um, pull the trigger on, on, on that plan. And obviously, there's no going back from that. That's like fucking, it's, um, so then I was literally, Two days after that, I was in 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 the recovery. So, I feel like that's um, that was. It's no coincidences in how everything happened, the timing, and I feel and that's what I emphasise with with clients I work with. I was like, you have to go through this certain amount of suffering to really have you fucking know what you want, and what you don't want. And I kind of felt like. For, especially for my purpose and what I want to do and what I'm here to do, that was kind of like, it was all a part of the, the job scope. <laughs> you know, you've got to really understand, understand it in every cell of your body to then think that you can go on and help and uh, be that light to help others that are in that position because, you know, getting into this line of work, that's the people, you know, that's the sort of stuff that, and if I can't relate to or resonate with, how the fuck can I expect to try to help someone or talk to someone or, or help coach them through, uh, what what they're in, so if, yeah, like I, I, something I'm not proud about for sure, Benny. You know me, but it's sort of something that's real, and it's sort of something that's. Um, and once again, it's like having that 
having that experience and if someone comes to me in that same place you know when i talk about my mum being there with this unconditional love and non-judgmental uh, support that's kind of like to be in this position to be able to help other people i need to turn up with with 100 love and, and non-judgmental awareness regardless of what the person's done or been through at the end of the day that person is just was just doing the best thing that they thought they could do at the time and that's kind of like fundamentally that's the human spirit like I don't know how many people out there would be would sit there doing something kind of like planning something going oh this is a real fucking bad idea but I'm gonna do it anyway at the end of the day we just tried to do something we make a decision at the time what we think is the best thing for us to do obviously there's like people make decisions and they're fucking not real good ones but where that person is sitting at the time, like even when I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm doing the list up and I'm making all these fucking terrible decisions and thinking all these horrible things with how fucked up I was mentally and with all the drugs and how out of balance my body was with all my organs and I was fucking sick. Um, it's how fucked up I was. I honestly thought that that was the only decision that I needed to make because so, and like, <laughs> you, you need to be able to experience that to then understand that the human spirit as bad as the decisions they're making that you think they're making that person thought that where they're at, that's the best thing that they can do or, or the only thing that they can do. And then it kind of gives you a, um, a different perspective on, on, on the world we live in and on why people do the things that they do. Well, to kind of stay on that, cause I want to touch on some of your, you know, philosophies that have impacted me, or we're not obviously going to cover them all in this podcast now, but just to stay on that little tangent there where you said, you know, you've been through that, you're not proud of those, those times, but you feel it was something that you needed to go through in order to get to the place where you are now in order then to move forward and help other people. So talk us, I guess, through that kind of philosophy of how I think you were t- you've, you've told me before how, you know, you can look back on them things in the past and think, you know, I'm, I'm a complete fuck up or you can look back on them and say, no, these experiences have taught me lessons in order to get me where I am today and going to help me move forward. Yeah. Well, what it is, and that comes back to sort of my spiritual practice and having a higher view on, on life and what we're here to do and what we, and um, who we are. And, and, you know, when I talk about a purpose and a good uh, shaman brother of mine, we had this, this conversation he, he gave a really good analogy of like we're we're all actors and like this world is the stage so we're all here to play a role so if brad pitt and uh angelina jolene they're in the movie their husband and wife in the movie but then behind the scenes they're, they're different people behind the scenes it's kind of like the spirit world and we come in to play a role whether that's you think whether that's good or bad, but that person's just playing their role. It's not about making, um, they're making it wrong or making it, um, you know, or, or judging that because we just don't fucking know. Living in this three-dimensional reality, we have absolutely no clue what is good and what is bad. We think we know what is good and what is bad because we look at things on a, on a, on a microscope. We don't take it back and look at it with a wide, wide lens. Like, you know, who used to say, something that you perceive to be such a bad thing that happens to somebody, then that person then turns that bad situation around, goes on and changes fucking a hundred or 200 or thousand or a million lives for the better. So what is good or bad? (laughs) Was that bad experience that that person endured that went on and changed so many people's lives 
Was it good? Was it bad? Like, there's so much of that in our reality, but we we don't. We we just tend to look at one thing with. It's like we got our head up against the tree, and we're just staring at a piece of bark. We don't step back and see the forest. We don't see all the other intrinsic movements, or we don't see. And that's kind of like when we take things from a higher view, things make a lot more sense um, because. And things become less personal, I guess. And for, for me, I can only speak from my experience, but and people that, um, you know, these people, when I talk about people that have, um, like, say, the shaman, for instance, and when he gives you these analogies, like, it's like, fuck yeah, and it makes you, you know, it's, and it's not about then justifying somebody else and giving them an excuse. It's like, no, I'm just playing my role. I can go out and be a shit cunt. <laughs> it's, like, but it's not like giving them, it's not about giving them a license, but it's kind of like, I don't know. That just for me, that was a big thing because it's like it's it just helped. It helps to make a little bit more sense out of this sort of what we think is this crazy world that we live in, um, and and then ultimately you can you can turn that back onto your own journey. And which I do. Like I, I look at my childhood and and sort of the the violence and and you know my old man was was a pretty big fellow and he used to fucking like bash my mum to a pulp and. Um, and for years, when I was sort of my mid twenties to up until almost my thirties, like I absolutely resented him for that and whatever else. But like, and I look at that's conditioning that he taught to my mum made it so hard for her. Then I look at say the, how strong she was, a rock, and the rest of her life that if she hadn't experienced that, she would never have been as 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 emotionally or as physically strong a woman as she was and she needed to be to obviously raise raise us kids so then it's like for that bad situation was it was it really bad yeah i mean it's not kind i mean she went through a lot of pain and there was it wasn't good for us kids and i guess maybe like but then i don't know so that's just kind of a bit of a rant but that's sort of like a bit of a touch on and you can use that for your own own life and everything that you think is bad and i believe for where I'm at now, with, with that's why I'm so big on spirituality, and I love that you refer to me as your spiritual advisor, Ben. That's it's beautiful. But um, it's then it's about knowing what you've gone through is what you're meant to go through, and it's what's not what's going to be the difference between making that into a positive experience or a negative experience is going to be the mindset that you choose to have about it. If you can look at it as fucking why me and i did for years and years and it caused me so much more suffering caused me so much more more um pain within my life or you can sort of flip the coin and you can use it as a positive and now obviously that's exactly what i've sort of tend to do and that's what i'm doing with what with working with with very with my similar brothers and sisters that have, have been that way so then i look at it as everything has been a fucking blessing even that um business deal that you know that caused me so much financial hardship and, and i put a lot of blame on that i look back and think man i would have lost i would have lost thousand times that amount if i knew today was where i was going to be <laughs> yeah like fucking oh it wouldn't even i wouldn't have lost a night's sleep over it but that's where it comes back to just putting the wide lens on things and we don't always know that we'll put it this way what i believe 100% is the universe is here for us, not against us. So whenever a situation arises that we feel, fuck it, why me? You know, what's this happened? Whether it be a relationship breakup, whether it be a business gone fucking sour or any of those things, 
it's so easy to fall into the trap of, you know, this, this, the world's out to get me, but it's like, if you can adjust the mindset to, okay. And put that wide lens on step back. Okay. Well, I don't know why this has happened. This is causing me a lot of emotional pain at the moment, but with pain comes growth. And you know what, in three months or six months, or sometimes it's two days, if you are prepared to step back and put the wide lens on, you, you'll find the answer like so much quicker than if you just stand with your fucking head against the tree, looking at the tree going, this a forest? Fucking <laughs> No, it's like, no, nah, bro, it's just a bit of bark. That's all you can see because your head's <laughs> against the tree. Yeah, so, I, I love that. I love that. Just you, your, um, you know, your experiences are your experiences. You've got to endure them, but how you react to them and what you take out of them is your choice. And that's like Rogan Dean, who we've talked about on here, who's, you know, two months ago, he lost his foot in a motorbike accident, no fault of his own. And I was texting him and he's like, you know, I can't control what happened to me. I just control how I, you know, react and recover. Like that's, yeah, I, I guess that's, that. a, I read that. He's an awesome, awesome, awesome guy. Awesome mindset. Like fucking. As you said, was, uh, everyone, everyone can take stuff from that and apply it. You know, you know, you don't have to go through these huge tragedies and these terrible upbringings to, uh, you know, but you can apply that to every aspect of your life. You know, you might be going through, you might want to get to a place and you're going through some adversity, but you've just got to, you know, flip that and say, well, when I get through this adversity, it's going to make that destination so much more sweeter that you don't just want the fucking smooth path all the time, whatever that may be. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, I, I refer back to Dr. Wayne Dyer was like, I listened to a lot of his stuff. He's passed now, but he was such a wise dude. And, um, he said, uh, one quote he said was stuck with me. He says, uh, big if you have big problems in life, he says, you got big dharma. Dharma is like purpose. He says, I'd be worried if fucking life was easy for you. <laughs> he said, that's what he honestly said. And like, he was an incredible spiritual teacher and, and obviously achieved a lot of success within his teachings and his business, but he still was enduring like obstacle after obstacle throughout this time. But he just developed the mindset and the knowing that this is all happening for him not against him. And I guess because he had that um, mindset, then he was, he was able to, you know, uh, translate those obstacles into teachings. And then those teachings have gone on and helped like freaking countless amount of people. So, and I always think of that when someone comes and talks to me about big obstacles. And cause that kind of got me through, um, through those dark times because I, I guess I knew deep down that I was sort of, you know, a, um, a good person had, had a lot to give because in certain aspects of who I was, I, I always had that. But then there was obviously, it was just diluted with a lot of mud that's put on over the years, like the analogy, the statue of the Buddha that's covered in, it's, it's gold statue, but it's covered in mud. And then the person's trying to run off and, and get it dipped back in gold again. <laughs> like, I need to get this thing re-dipped in gold. It's like, no, fuck off, bro. You just need to clear the mud off. Like, And that's kind of, the gold's, the gold is always there. And that's like with us and, 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 and when I say us, like us as a society, like the essence of who we are is, is there. We all, we all come from love and, and goodness. It's just that through ever what, for whatever reasons and, and, and life paths that year after year and, and situation after situation, we just cover this gold statue with mud. And then we, we try to look for an answer of trying to take it and get it re-dipped again. It's like, you don't have to get it dipped. You just gotta, just gotta clear it away. I love that man. All right, well, let's stay on this philosophical route that we're on because I love hearing about this. And that I just want, 
I'm obviously privy to some of this stuff, you know, we all have our conversations and I love bouncing things off you, but I, and I always, you know, pass your kind of guidance on to a lot of other people. And I think one that kind of, especially hit home with me and, you know, would relate to Keith as well. Talk us through your kind of, I remember you said to me a while back, like this is going on to, I guess, leaders and, and being providers for your family and that kind of thing. How, people need and I guess becoming you know you've got some good views on like becoming cogs in the wheel on society and you know becoming conditioned to society's kind of uh powers and and you know being stuck in what we do talk us through some of that and I guess a big one for me like one of one of my favorite sayings that you've said to me especially having kids which I know me and Keith will relate to is kids don't just need providers they need role models and you know chasing your dreams chasing your own beliefs in order to let those around you you know shine their light let's dive into that a little bit well that's it that's exactly it brother that's kind of a once again using your own sort of experience growing up it's not about you know making sure that food obviously you've got to provide them with the essentials but i think the biggest gift um is to is to walk the path and to be that to be the pillar you know what mahatma gandhi say you know be the love that you want to see in the world and that's kind of like you can resemble that to to everything it's like rather than sit back and say this person what's he doing that for what's she doing that for how dare that it's like well so what's what are they doing that's so wrong and what 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 are you doing that's so right like you know not to sort of pick things apart and especially with kids because obviously once again talk about like having a understanding what's happening on deeper level like with our programming and stuff and knowing that from the ages we're sort of in the fetus from like three months to basically around six and a half to seven years, we're, we're functioning in a theta brainwave state, um, which is like a hypnotic state. That's where they're basically just that first time, the first seven years is just, they basically got the record button on and they're not processing what's good or what's bad or what's going to get me better. Or what's not going to get me. They don't fuck that, that, that part of the brain is not formed yet. There's no, there's no conscious thinking in that part of the brain. So back to like being that role model for the kids and having that awareness. And that's why I think there's that book, Bollage of Belief by Bruce Lipton. I think if you're a parent, I think everyone should fucking read it and understand that. But especially if you're a parent, because then you know a deeper um, uh, reality of what's actually going on. And then it makes it even more emphasis is on, on being that, role model like that's what i love so much about what you're doing brother like with you you're showing the path like you're showing that if you want something you work for it, you get it hold a positive attitude like you you're creating this program within them that's going to set them up like man it's just going fuck it's, it's going to be amazing like and that's <clears throat> kind of like um yeah i mean that's that's the biggest gift and it comes back to just having that awareness of, of a deeper thing that's happening I guess, and it's, it takes back to having courage, like an, an understanding of why you were a particular way, because you were running on programs that your parents inherited that they believe was a way to act and be in society. I mean, and that's a, not no fault of their own, but it's just generational after generational thing. And, and a lot of it comes from, obviously, you think about the top sort of 5% that control the world. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people that sort of, you know, got a lot of... Um, uh, motivation or, or there's a lot of there's a lot going on for people to be that cog in the, in the wheel because they fuel their systems or their organizations that obviously feed the top part of it and that's kind of like where you start thinking differently if you start thinking more independently you're a threat 
um, to those things. And it comes back from the way we were taught in school. Uh, you know, seldom do they teach you in school how to be an entrepreneur or how to be financially free or to be a part of that, you know, to be not a part of that wheel. It comes from, they program you to be a good taxpayer. <laughs> they program you to be a good accountant or a good doctor or a good employee or, or you know, that's for the, say the top threshold of universities. What are they there? I mean, a lawyer, a lawyer accountant, doctors is probably the best ones that they could be. I mean, even still them, you're still a fucking cog in the, in the wheel, so to speak. I mean, slavery, in my opinion, is, hasn't gone. It's just changed. I mean, now we have to buy our own food and buy our own houses. Um, but ultimately, we're still a slave to this thing called a paycheck. And that's when they you know, put all this conditioning on you to, to want to have to you know, buy a house and get it a debt and all these things. Because when you're, you know, when you're acting in a feared state, you don't think consciously. When you're in fear, you've triggered your fight and flight response, which means all your blood from your brain has gone to your, your limbs because it thinks it has to fight and flight. So it's not making conscious decisions on, on what's going to be better for the person or what's going to be better for their kids or their life. They're focusing on fighting or flighting. It's like, fuck, I need to go to this job because if I don't go to my job, I can't pay my, pay my, um, my mortgage or I can't put food on my table. It's like, okay, but they're going to a job that they absolutely fucking hate it's making them so angry and so depressed that they're coming home and smashing a bottle of whiskey just to wake up and go to work the next day. And that's kind of like, well, to me, I, I chase that. I chase the money and I chase the business and the success. And, and by, by all accounts, I, I achieved um, a, a fair bit of success within that. But ultimately, the height of my success within business and money and materials was absolutely like the fucking lowest of my um my health, my wealth, my, my life, ultimately the relationships I was forming or the friendships. So then I'm, for me, I just realized that fuck it ain't there. <laughs> like that's not clearly that's not, um, you know, what, what is going to make us, uh, make us happy. I mean, there's a lot of people don't be wrong. There's a lot of people that do achieve that. And then obviously they can keep the balance, but I'm talking like majority, um, that because ultimately they're putting their own purpose, their own path in life, on hold to, to do something they need to do because they've got a lot of fear element. And that's when we talk back about being this role model for you, for your kids is to be able to be like, well, each and every one of us has a path. We have a purpose. And if we, if we put our uh, energy and our focus towards that, that purpose is then showing uh, that purpose will obviously bring about health, happiness, abundance, the richness of life, which we're, we're here to achieve uh, uh, for your individual sake, which we're all here to, to experience that as an individual, but then you're also showing the way for what your kids to do. <laughs> so it's like you get to, you get to achieve your life at the most fullest and you're showing your children to achieve their life at the most fullest. And I think if you ask the parent, uh, you'd know this, what, what, what would make you the most happy? It'd, it'd be the question answered more than likely be, to see the, your kids to be their most happy like, And that's where it brings it back. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, it's about, you know, being a fucking role model more than a provider. Obviously they have to have their essentials, but, and that's kind of, I don't have kids, so I, I can't speak as a parent firsthand, but I can just speak about what I've experienced in that. And then as far as my own childhood growing up and what I, what I needed the most, um, or what I guess it wasn't my purpose to have it, but I guess looking back, if you had, someone to, to, to show you the path, then it could have been, um, 
you know, could have been different. Yeah. Well, Actually, I think... so, sorry, bro. It's not yeah. about making it different because everything is the way it is, but it's just about like, yeah, I look back, I can just use that to see it in my own experience. Yeah. Well, well that, when I heard that from you, that really hit home for me. And I know Keith would, you can kind of relate to that too, eh, Keith? Like, yeah, it's, 100%. Um, it's more like that. And as you said, I think you become conditioned as something that I'm guess I'm trying to step away from and find that balance. Cause as you said, you've obviously got to pro- provide your essentials for the kids, but we come conditioned that, you know, you need to get a big, good house, good car. And, you know, you work hard to pay for that. And then obviously doing that is going to provide your kids with the best future. That's what you think. But then ultimately you're conditioning your kids to, they watch you kind of sacrifice, you know, you're not pushing towards your potential. So you think you're providing them with all the opportunities, but really they're becoming conditioned to see that. And then, you know, next generation, they're doing the same thing. They're just working. You know, some people find a job they love and they do it, you know, day in, day out. Then they they go and pay for the big house, the big car, which is good. But a lot of people live week to week just to get that, you know, what they see on TV. You know, you think I need that house. I need that car you hate your job, you're not enjoying it. As you said, you've got to come home and have, you might have to have six beers before you talk to your missus because you hate the, uh, you know, you're hating your job that much. You've got that much stress on your plate. And then, and then you'll go in on Saturday and you'll work overtime and you don't see your kids, you don't see your kids sport. And then, you know, Sunday's your only day off. So you, you know, you want to have a few more beers or you, you know, you want to sleep in and then, you know, there's no quality family time. And I think, I don't know if you said it to me or I heard it somewhere else, but it's like, uh, children, you know, our partners and our kids see love in, in time spent and, and quality time. But men, sometimes they get conditioned to see lo- like um, love in, in money, just providing money. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting money out there, if I'm putting food on the table, you know, that's my job done. But when really that's not how it translates to, to our family members and, the, and those closest to us. Especially with kids too, because kids don't really have, well, they don't know two two fucks about money. Like, <laughs> as long as they got their meals, they're not caring about like you know all these other that we put as adults. We put so much extra stress or emphasis on that. But I mean, like you said, the kid. What would the kid prefer? Like, um, you know, a, a two million dollar house to live in, or would he prefer to have his dad with him, like freaking every afternoon and on all weekends, like, and still living in a modest house? Like, if you, you know, it's kind of it's imbalance. But that comes back to this conditioning, and that's not trying to have any reasons to make that or judge them as what they're doing is wrong. It's just about, from my own experience, I realized that there's, it comes from within. The fulfillment that we're seeking through this material world, it comes from inside. And then once we can align with that, and then whatever else comes on top of that, that's just like all the extra, you know, the, the, the sprinkles on the ice cream. It's like, but I guess when you don't have that sense of, of uh, and then it comes back to you know, sense of feeling, like you're you're moving forward in life, like with internally, not so much just externally, like with 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 achieving material possessions, but just as far as if you're growing, if you're becoming you know, more at peace, you're becoming a happier, more fulfilled person. Then we we don't really look to try to um, stick or suffocate those things with the cars or the house or the big weekends or the gambling or whatever or whatever it may be. And don't get me wrong, those things are still percent. We're here to experience this world um but i guess it just comes back to having that the balance and knowing really what's important and, and i feel like it's you know, the connections and, and and spreading love and being in a in a, in a stable 
space mentally and forming connections and living from that as a base moving up, then it makes for all those other holidays and serial things much more, uh, much more rich. And I think the thing with that too is like, there's no guarantees. You don't know how long, you don't know how long we're going to have the opportunity in this life to enjoy whatever we've got. Like you might think, you know, I'm going to work hard, which, you know, you have to have goals and you have to work towards things, but you might just say, like, I'm going to sacrifice all my family time for the next five years and I'm going to get to a point. And then when I get to that point, I'm going to have all this family time. It never works like that. Like, you know, you think I'm always going to get there, but who's to say that, you know, you're going to be there in five years time or God forbid something happens to your kids or not only your kids, but you know, your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, your mum, your dad, that you might isolate yourself from with this, um, you know, one goal. Like you've got to enjoy it while you've got it because there is no guarantees in life. That was one of the biggest things I learned over COVID with, you know, one of our mates like Mitch Cronin, he passed at 27. Like, you know, there's nothing, you've got to enjoy it, enjoy it while you can. And you see, and I think we become conditioned, you know, being a hard worker, especially as a bloke and you, you know, this would have been the same as you as a concreter. And, you know, you would have seen your family do it too, Keith. Like you, you become, you're a hard worker. That's the main thing about being a man. You go to work, you work hard, you provide for your family and that becomes who you are. But you see guys putting in 60, 70 hour weeks, which is great. But what if they just flip that a little bit, continued that hard work? I think imagine if you put 60 or 70 hours into yourself or, you know, into your family where it could actually end up and roll on instead of, you know, just banging away. You know, you've obviously got to provide to a certain extent if that's what you've got to do to provide you know you have to do what you've got to do to provide the essentials but as you said um you know i think there's just as you step back from that tree instead of just staring at that piece of bark and see the forest and life is not guaranteed and you know life's here to be enjoyed i think you've got to look at all things in um in a certain perspective oh 100 i think that was the other thing that um made sense for me it was like we have this material bank account and we have our soul's bank account obviously comes back to having this spiritual connection with life and you know who we are and what we what this life's all about and we realizing that as a spirit as a soul this soul is infinite it's here you know infinite is forever like we've had we've been here before we've been here many times before but i feel like and what i did for the first pay was like i constantly worked to put money into my material bank account but not putting anything into my soul's bank account but the time comes when this material world, we leave this material world, what have we taken with us? We've taken absolutely fucking nothing because we've spent our whole life accumulating into this material bank account. So that's when I kind of like flipped the script and was like, well, and just as a pure investment strategy, if someone says you want to invest, <laughs> you want to invest in your money that's going to something that's going to last forever, you want to invest your money in something that's going to last for one year, five years, 10 years, even 50 years, and then you lose, you lose everything you've invested. It's like, you'd be like, well, fuck, I'm not choosing that investment. <laughs> But if you invest in your own sort of, you know, your self-development, your own spirituality, in your own filling your own soul's bank account up, then obviously it comes back to this, what we call the Samsahara wheel, where we come into this experience and it's like anything, we've come from minerals, we come into animals, we have to come up our conscious plane and we're here now in this conscious being to have this experience. And that's why we work our way up this conscious ladder to be able to come this sort of enlightened, um, you know, being of who we really are. So we, we have to have experienced everything. And that's when you can have this understanding of like not having judgments in someone else because they may be choosing something terrible. It's like, you know, that you've been there and done that, whether it's in this life or another life, because otherwise 
you know, especially growing up in Australia, we got to understand how fucking gr- how, how fortunate um, and and work we must have done in previous lifetimes. Because what if you, you your child getting born into uh, some, some horrible conditions? Like you think, you know, why that why is that person? But that's once again, it's like having this bigger perspective. We don't know that person's um, what they call karmic journey or what that person's here to experience because of past um, lifetimes or past decisions. And that's kind of like getting pretty spiritual. I mean, it might not make sense for some people, but it's definitely, oh, it's, the shit's just worked so much for me. That's why I just such an advocate for it because I just know how fucked up I was and, and, and how by adapting this mindset and adapting this practice, it's just helped um, bring about so much change and obviously helped um, to be able to, you know, to heal, to, to have a much more fulfilling um much more fulfilling life. That's for sure. Yeah. I love that, that analogy of the two different bank accounts, because I, one I've heard that kind of stuck with me and it's, it's along those similar, same kind of lines. Like, um, I say it's a, it's about time. Like in using the most of our time, because going back to, you know, things aren't guaranteed Like you might choose to lie on the couch for a whole day and waste 24 hours. But going back to the bank account thing, if someone said to you, okay, you've got $24 million in the bank today. You can spend that whole um, $24 million, but whatever you don't spend, it won't add up to the next day. You know what I mean? The next day, it's going to be back to $24 million. And the next day, $24 million. If you don't spend six of it, it's not going to be 30 the next day. You've got to spend as much as you can to get as much out of that bank account for every day. You know, you'd go out and you'd spend, you'd spend, you'd spend every day. The next day, you'd spend, you'd spend. You, you know, you'd be blowing that $24 million, but that's exactly what life is. That 24 that's not $24 million. That's 24 hours. You can't save that time up for the next day. You've got to spend it as best you can for that day. And you know, you've got to spend it on things that, uh, that matter and, you know, contribute to who you want to be because, you know, no one knows when that bank's going to shut that bank might shut the next day. And there might be, you know, there's no more hours in the bank. So you've got to use it as much as you can every day. So, yeah, I, I love those kind of analogies. I think they, when people hear things in a little bit different way, it kind of hits home. And, you know, as far as your spirituality side there, it's good for people to hear different perspectives. Some people might go, Oh, you know, that's, you know, wanky or whatever, but uh, it was like Goggins. I've seen his post. He done a post this week and his thing was like, I'm not crazy. I'm just not you. Like you've got to fucking see things from, from different ways and take things from different people. So yeah, I love hearing that brother. You've got so many, um, so many fucking good philosophies and I'm glad that we can have you on here and hopefully some people, you know, can hear them and, and take away from the man because yeah, it's awesome. Thanks brother. Well, the other, the other good one to touch on that is because what I like to see, if you are one of these people that are living yeah, internally, you're not happy. There's things in your life that you know you deserve better or want better, but you just don't know how to bridge the gap. Well, if you want to be different, first thing you got to do is think different. <laughs> you know, what I mean, you can't expect to be different if you keep thinking differently. If you keep thinking the same thoughts, you're going to be the same person. And if you keep being the same person, you're going to continue to get what you've already fucking got. So that's kind of like we're offering a different perspective. That's what I teach with the clients is just saying, well, Clearly, all that stuff you've done is cool. And that's like me. It's like, yeah, it's giving you different perspective and stuff. But like, if you want something different, the first thing that's got to change is you've got to think different. <laughs> and I, I love the, um, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Wayne, Wayne Dyer's quote too. He says, the highest, um, the highest form of ignorance 
is rejecting something that you know nothing about. And that's kind of like, I emphasize that fucking big. And I'm not saying, you know, believe what I'm saying because whatever, I'm not saying at all. I want you to go out there and, and experience and, and, and take in all the information because this is what it's truly about is, is following your own heart's desire, following your own truth. My truth is not going to be your truth. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can re relate to, but that's the beauty about it is that we have to find our own truth. But if we just reject information, that's like so fucking ignorant because we, you know, that's, and it takes strength to be able to listen to someone else's opinion and not straight away go, oh, fucking it's spiritual shit. Like I'm not listening to that. It's like, well, Hey, I'm not saying that this is what it needs to be, but if you open your ears and you take this in and you, okay, feel it, is it where you want to be? You take this person's opinion or you read this book and you read that. And a lot of the time it's where I feel like for me has been where you receive a lot of gems is when you start to absorb a lot of conflicting information too. Like you listen to this person, you listen to that person, then you find your own way and you, you, you're on this own journey and you're like, oh yeah, this is working. It's not to say that, that person's talking shit or doesn't know. It's just that's a person's experience. But if we open up our ears to receive the, the information that's out there, and then we let that internalize, and then we let our heart or we let the universe guide us, spirit, God, whatever you, Christian or whatever it is, guide you, then ultimately that's that's your truth. <laughs> Which do, is, you, um, do you find the people that reject things and, and question things are usually the ones that are unfulfilled themselves or have that fixed mindset that this is a hand I've been dealt. This is just the way I've got to play it when, you know, when they go, Oh, why the fuck's he doing that? Or, you know, they're usually the ones that do need to, you know, open their, open their mind and experience different things in order to elicit some change in their life. Oh, 100%. And it's, yeah. and it took a little bit of time because you, you sort of, um, it's hard not to, when someone's like, yeah, it thinks it's our nature. We, we can get offended. But then what we do with that, if, if we choose to marinate in that being offended, it's like, then we keep climbing this conscious ladder. And then it's about not getting, you know, if someone um, bags out what you believe, what you do is then it's, you realize that how somebody treats you has absolutely fucking nothing to do with you and has to do with everything where that person is experiencing their life. And then you can, it's this coin, you flip the coin. It's like, then you can have compassion for that person because they're really struggling and it's not about like them persons rejecting what you're trying to say. It's like, well, or they're, or they're bagging you out or they're saying this. It's like, well, you can feel for that person because ultimately if that person feels that they need to treat a particular person in that way, that person is, is obviously in a very low vibrational state that will want to make them be nasty or be mean or say lies or try to, you know, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the thing may be. And that come back, that's another real good book I'll drop for the listeners is that uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, he's got the fifth agreement. Well, his first book was the fourth agreement. And then the second book was the fifth agreement. He added one in there, but they were like, and, it, and it, that was an amazing book because it's like, you know, the biggest things is don't take things personally. Don't make and don't make assumptions. And I know from my own experiences, when caused me uh, the most pain and suffering and anger and hatred was when one, I took something personally or two, I made assumptions. <laughs> I think by like, and that's, that becomes, it's definitely not easy. It's very simple, but it's not easy. It's like anything, it's like going training. You're not deadlift 250 kilos if you can't deadlift 100. 
but it's about getting on that bar and deadlifting as much as you can to build it up. Because I guess if you have that information in and then you can adapt that, then you can have much more love and peace for other people, regardless of how they're treating you or what they're saying or what they're fucking, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a real powerful book and just that simple little analogies. Yeah, 100%. Now, I guess we, we could stay on this philosophical train for ages and we'll, you know, <laughs> yeah, this will be one of them. We, we say this to, like, I guess, all of our guests because every one of our guests we get on, we want them on and, you know, we, we like what they're about and we're definitely, you know, we're going to have you on again. So I just, it's good to, I guess, get, get people across your story, get your story out, touch on a few of the things that are, you know, close to you. But one I wanted to, one thing that I wanted to talk about, on here today definitely was the work you're doing at the, cause you're in Bali now you're living in Bali. You're kind of, you're kind of based in Bali. Uh, the work you're doing over there currently, especially with orphanages over there. So I wanted to touch on that cause I know you've got a big trip tomorrow and oh, I guess we want to spread the word. You've got a, um, I guess, would you call a charity foundation? What would you, how would you kind of sum that up? What you've got going on at the moment? Yeah, well, obviously, it's pretty much just like it started as a, a social club because I was in the start of setting up a business here so I could register the actual non-for-profit organisation under that. So there was some um, logistical legal things that we were in the process of doing, but I've got that started. So it's going to launch the non-for-profit now, which is a big part of just giving back. But I mean, I guess at the moment, it's more like a social club just for legal reasons because obviously, you get, before you can get to you know, step five, you've got to go to step one, two, and three. But... Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was always, uh, I guess we talk back to even through the dark story, where you know you've got so much to give and you know you've got a good heart, but you just get the mud's just covered the Buddha. So I guess when it's come full circle for me, it was about moving to Bali and obviously getting stuck into this work and being able to help my brothers and sisters that were there. That was one aspect of it because uh, that's incredibly, for me, I just get so excited and I get so, um, I'm so happy to do that. And the other aspect was for me was about, being able to, to give back, um, you know, to on, on a bigger level on, on, and make a bigger difference. And it was kind of like, it was definitely a dream and it was maybe people could, it's a, I didn't realize it was probably going to um, happen as fast as it was. And then I met my partner and then she sort of helped it, speed tracked it a lot. So it's really took some traction and, and obviously support from um, really close brothers, you included Benny, which I really appreciate. And, um, kind of like we wanted to do obviously work with kids. I, I love kids. I don't have any kids myself, but one day maybe, but I'm definitely going to adopt. And I feel like, um, you know, growing up, it make, brings things into perspective. Growing up in Australia, we think we had fucking problems. And like you come over to a third world country and, and see some of the environments and conditions that these people are growing up in, it, it brings things into perspective. And so I wanted to be able to, well, we wanted to be able to do something, uh, to start something and get the sort of wheels going. So yeah, we're just traveling around and visiting orphanages and giving their essentials and, and um, sharing in sort of some, some games and just trying to bring some smiles. And then obviously we want to pick one uh, particular orphanage that we wanted to, because obviously you could, you could do that and you could keep doing that, but you wouldn't really be able to, you're still making a difference and helping, but I guess I wanted to have something a bit more personal um, where you can really sort of hone in and, and really help and see the change over whatever, three months, six months, 12 months, obviously it's, it's only just been going for a couple of months, but so we've picked one. Um, yeah, they're pretty struggling at the moment. And so we're going to sort of dive in and, and do as much as we can for them. And obviously we've, we've really, 
we've got some really good support and we're going to continue to do that. Um, which is back to Muhammad Ali. I used to love his quote, you know, service to others is the rent we pay here on earth. And I kind of like feel um, that's like, you know, there's not too many substances that I haven't enjoyed or too many other these pleasurable things. Um, but I mean, when you start to be of service and you start to be able to, I put a good thing on my Instagram the other day, a bloke was in the lake and he had no arms. And then this guy's washing his head and it's like, you haven't really lived until you can do something for somebody that can't ever repay you. And I kind of like, that's a good, it's a good practice or I shouldn't say it's a practice. It's a good thing to be, to start to cultivate in your life because it gives life a whole different meaning. It gives life a, we get caught up in this, living this life of, you know, I'll do something for you if you do something for me or, or, and then if I, but if I do something for you and then you just don't do something for me, then I'm going to offend it. I'm like, fuck you. You know, I did you, what is for me? And that's kind of like this uh, tug of war game that I definitely was in. So then I guess by getting out of that and being able to do something, um, uh, it's just got, it's, it's obviously fucking so fulfilling. It's so rewarding. It's such a, such a small thing at this stage, but I've got a big vision. I've got big plans with this and I don't have a shadow of a doubt that I won't get to, well, we won't get to achieve that. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like just a small thing that is, makes such a big difference obviously. And it's not, um, I guess it's just a, it's a different experience. It's a different mindset. It's a different way of thinking and being what we, what we spoke about. And, but then obviously it's, it's got a whole, a whole different taste of life. Um, so give us an idea of kind of the conditions that these kids and the orphanages are living in and I guess how people can get involved to help out because I've only just jumped on board recently myself but it's kind of easy and you don't realize how much of a small donation from Australia whether it's one off or a a continuing thing how that can actually help out because you see people they'll jump on and they'll go to world vision you know a dollar a day thirty dollars a month how big of a difference that could make like say the kids at the orphanage were getting that thirty dollars Australian or thirty euros whatever it is a month how big of a difference that could make and the fact that if some money does go to you, that ki- that money is going directly to these kids to help them out where, you know, it is good to give these other big organizations, but you might give $30 and those kids see 30 cents. And then, you know, you've got these CEOs driving around in Maseratis and Ferraris and, you know, they're making a killing off it. And, you know, yeah. that this, if you do give to your organization, it will actually, you know, go to them and it's life changing. Essentially it can change these, these kids lives. What well, is, and that was the other part of it, Benny, was just full transparency between people that are coming on and, and us showing like full reports of, you know, the sponsors who come on. Obviously, we keep a, do a numbered um, system. So some people want to keep uh, confidential, that's fine. So we just give everyone a number. But, so then everyone gets to see what's come in. Everyone gets to see what's gone out. Like there's just, that's kind of like for us, was just about being, because um, it's kind of like when you get to this, obviously back to the spiritual practice, but it's, it becomes no longer about, and I and I lived a part of that life was I, uh, you know, fooling people around me. But ultimately, the person you look at in the mirror, fucking, you're not fooling him, and you're not fooling the big fella upstairs. So that was kind of like what getting into this was about, like you know, I want full transparency with regards to that because it's about the mission. It's about what we're doing. It's not about, uh, like you said, this becoming a, a lining the pockets of other people. And ultimately, it's it's about. Um, 
you know, it's, it's a small contribution, but it's something that's going to make a difference. And we have our videos, we have our reports. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was an essential for me because it's like, there's no way that I'm not going to be a part of something <laughs> to fucking, for, to be able to, um, you know, anything that wasn't in line with my values and, and my essence of who I am. So the, the conditions that say these kids are living in compared to Australia or, you know, France or New Zealand, what, what are we kind of looking at? What's their, they living in day well, in, day we, out? Uh, yeah, they're pretty poor. I mean, hygiene is pretty, pretty sick. I mean, the toilets and stuff are not very good, but there's one we got, there's, it's a two bedroom house and there's 20, so there's 17 kids and there's, there's the mum and her, her husband just died last week. So it's given us extra motivation to get in there. But then there's, so there's 17 kids and three, three full-time carers living there. So it's, let's say there's 20 kids, 20 people in a two bedroom, two bedroom house. Uh, I can share you some photos on that um, thing. It's just like fucking, it's yeah, not, not very great. But that's, and I'm that's guessing a like, two, be- two bedroom house over there is not as big as a two bedroom house over here, obviously either. No, it's very small. And this is the other thing about finding out like it's Indonesian government doesn't um, offer any assistance to these type of things, which was kind of like for me, come grow up in Australia, the fucking government's just throwing money at anyone, everyone. And even like, even think about the dole and all this sort of stuff, like the money that they give out to, 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 to things that don't really fucking make too much sense to me. But, and the Indonesian government pretty much just leave these people out on their own. And that was kind of like an eye opening thing. I guess there, there is cause there's a lot of corruption here and there's a lot of people that, but, but I mean, once you get on the ground, you start to experience that. And it's not just even the orphanages. Like we did a trip up to this village and I mean, these people, you wouldn't even call it a house. It's basically a little shack thing with like, yeah, it's not, it's, uh, it's ordinary. We grow up, you know, live, sitting on a good toilet and their sisters make it angry because there's a bit of piss on the seat, but it's like, <laughs> At least you've got a, at least you've got a toilet to sit on, or just little things, little things like that. I mean, these people they've got a hole in the ground, or there's even the toilets they got. They wouldn't, they got leaking out on the floor, and the bathrooms are like just there's feces, and it's quite. But I mean, they're they're living in that. I mean, because they can't really do anything any better. It brings things definitely into perspective for your, uh, for your own life, and and for things that we do take for granted in in the Western world. Ah, uh, so and that's. Um, if people want to find that, people want to look at what you're doing. That's Nomad Social Club on Instagram. Jump on that. Obviously, your personal Instagram, and just flick your message. And it could be, you know, something as a one-off ten-dollar donation, or you might choose to, you know, twenty dollars a month. Or you know, there's no contracts or lock-in. There's nothing like that. It's just, you know, whatever you can afford. You might, you know, five dollars a coffee. Because as you said, like the money will translate over from five dollars Australian can, you know, translate. What what's the currency over there? So it's five bucks Australian is probably about 50,000 rupiah, which is like, like when you spoke about say like a dollar a day. So if you're doing a dollar a day, if say it was 30 bucks a month, that's 300,000 rupiah. Like, like a kid, one kid would live like, yeah, you'd, <laughs> you'd live like, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty comfortable with the essentials with regards to that. That's why I just say what people don't want to say, whatever you feel comfortable with, like we're not saying, and then it's like, the thing is with Australia, the little thing makes a big difference here because Obviously, things can be, you know, it's so much, um, so much cheaper here with, with regards to that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're happy to any support that comes in is, is, is amazing. And I mean, I spoke to you privately. This wasn't, when I started, this wasn't about, because I mean, my partner uh, and I, we've tipped in our own self, like a fair bit to get it all rolling. It was never about trying to have to rely on 
other people, but it's like, well, it's just about the movement. If people want to get on, they can get on. And that's amazing. Like, it's the support's great and, and whatever. There's more ways than about money to contribute. People can just contribute and spread the word or, or send clothes or, or there's, and if they're coming to Bali, they can, there's many ways. It's not just about the money either. It's just even about, uh, if, you know, um, especially people in Bali, if they've got like a skill set, they dance or they like to play games, they can come to the orphanage, they can interact with the kids. There's so much uh, that it can be. I mean, money is energy, but there's other things that energy too, like just your time, your effort, your, your, your word or whatever it may be. It's not about um, sort of just putting the hand out and saying, put, put money in because there's more ways. Or well, we had a mate today, I've trained with his, donating uh, some furniture and stuff because we're going to get this orphanage into a bigger house. So, I mean, there's there's more ways to give them um, just money. And if people want to jump on board, then just shoot out, um, get in contact. And the thing is, I mean, that's why I've, uh, I have a fair bit of support from um, people who know me, people who grew up with me. They're sort of, that's why my face and my words on it, my who I am is on it. That's why it's important for the transparency because there's definitely not getting into something that there's... <laughs> That anybody else could be benefiting from other than what the mission is about you know what i mean because that would to me i would rather be fucking dead than be that caliber of individual <laughs> yeah that that's something that I, I you know i've said to you probably i'd love to get over there help you out go out to the orphanages and i just think that would be so much more fulfilling and so much more rewarding you know i guess even in a selfish sense like you get that fulfillment that reward than going over to bali for two weeks on the piss in fucking swim up bars you know what i mean and that's uh, <laughs> when you're talking about the uh materialistic bank account any spiritual bank account like you know but that's what people that's what i'm trying to realize and that's what's you know watching you you setting the bar high is making me realize and other people realize i'm sure too like you know you can find the best job in Australia, fly and fly out or being a doctor or a lawyer, you know, earn a couple hundred thousand a year or you can go to Bali and fucking help out Northridges. And I, you know, at the end of the day, you know what one is going to be, you know, more fulfilling to your soul. Yeah. And I guess they're probably for people, they are, I guess kind of polar opposites to big opposite things earning a million dollars or going helping out in orphanages. But as you said, like, you can't fool who's in the mirror and you can't fool, fool the big man upstairs, whoever that may be. Like it's fucking, um, yeah, it's uh, that spiritual bank cancer. It's, it's a great analogy. I love it. But, and also rolling on that, what you're also with through your recovery stuff through being what you, uh, I'm rambling here through being what you're being through. Um, you've got your own like, recovery program that you're helping people out. You've got your own website. You've got a great podcast. Talk us a little bit on that. Yeah, no, it's sort of the podcast has been a little bit slow the sort of past four weeks, I suppose, but we were away for a bit, but um, it's kind of like took a little bit of a, a halt as far as running the retreats, which is what I really want to do. I want to get people out of their environment and get them over here and running the full recovery retreat due to Corona. Obviously it was a, Travel restrictions were a little bit tight on. Obviously, now it's starting to um, to free up a bit. I've got a retreat lined up for all things go ahead. Should be for maybe three weeks' time because I can get some visas uh, for people that need to get over here and get them checked in and and obviously offer the service that I did come here to do initially was about you know getting them out of their environment, getting them in this environment, and have all having all the ducks in a row and be able to give them the treatments, the therapies, the the, the de uh, detoxing, the, the the coaching and and, and whatnot. So that's kind of like, yeah, starting to 
come back, um, well, not starting to, but I guess starting to relax a bit. We've got some other things that we can do now. Obviously, we're starting up the, the company here. I can get them people in with visas and and whatnot, which is good. Um, I guess the podcast here was just about sort of just trying to get that story out and then connecting with with other people that uh, sort of had helped me or, or I guess just that, what we spoke about before, just thinking a bit differently and, and using what the sort of helped and worked for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of a big part of it. Um, I guess it's just putting it out there, spreading the awareness and spreading the story. And if people can relate, then that's great. If people don't, then that's fine also. It's not about, you know, it is what it is really, <laughs> you know, like, but I guess it was, um, I guess it was a big healing thing in my own journey because a lot of that stuff I'd sort of, uh, even over time was you become ashamed and you become a little bit, um, uh, there's just this element of energy within that's a bit like, you know, afraid to express that, but then knowing that's what needs to happen because that's what, by expressing that, that's what's going to be able to shine that light for the people that are in the dark to be able to, to see. And, and that's kind of the basis of it. So, which was a sort of daunting and a bit of ex scary experience, but, uh, is something that like with anything, anything that scares you, that's something you need to fucking do as long as it's, I mean, within reason, <laughs> not so much yeah, jumping off bridges and stuff like that. It's scary, but that's also something we could probably avoid. <laughs> well, he, like, I guess to kind of, as I said, we can talk all day, but to wind it up a little bit and just to summarize things, how, what advice would you give to people who, uh, probably, you know, unhappy, they're unfulfilled in their life at this moment and they want to get to a point of, you know, happiness and peace, but they think it's just unattainable for them. Cause as you said, they've become that cog in a wheel. They've got a big mortgage over their head. They're kind of scared into losing their job. Even though, even though it's a job they hate, they got to, you know, they continually turn up. They feel like, they, you know, they're just a hamster on a wheel because essentially you've gone from, you know, working on a uh, construction site, owning your own business, concreter. And if I had to describe you when the first time I met you, you'd probably say like textbook biker, you know what I mean? You're big, you're juiced up, shaved head, tattoos, bad intentions. You know what I mean? You've gone from that to a spiritual guy living in Bali, you know, providing for orphanages in, what would you say, six to eight years? Uh, yeah, well, it's probably been... Um, well, it's been, it was 2000 and I sold the business 2015. Well, actually I stopped, stopped, I stopped trading in end of 2015. And then I, I did my recovery sort of January 2016. Um, was that, when I got the dates right there? I think that's about it. Five years. No, 2000, no, 2014. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. I'm jumping here. 2014. So it's about 2015. So it's coming up to. So December, this Christmas will be sort of the six year mark ish. Uh, and once again, like I very have a lot of gratitude in the fact that I was in that position to be able to, to take those necessary actions and do what I needed to do. For one, I could just walk away from all that and spend the time starting to deposit in my soul's bank account. And that, and I do realize there's a lot of people out there that may want to change, but they obviously they do have these, they've got a family to provide for. They've got kids and stuff. So obviously that makes my work even more important because I know the universe has gifted me that fucking experience up until that point. And they also gifted me this opportunity to go get to work. Like fucking you, you got the time you need to get to work because you've got work to do. And that's kind of like that. You know, you got to go to, before you come 
tradesman or qualified, you've got to do your, your, your university or you've got to do your apprenticeship and you've got to do your master's. Um, um, I guess and that was kind of like moving here was at that place where I felt like I'd come full circle to be able to start being in that position because obviously I'd like to think I'm very authentic. What you see is what you get and my values is in line. So before I can actually take someone in and, and expect to try and change their lives, I need to know within every cell of my body that I've got the skill set I've got the tools that I can do that to someone and not sort of, you know, just trying to take their fucking money and, and then tell them or re, rewrite, re-script what I've read or watched on YouTube. <laughs> I want, if, I, if I'm listening to someone, I want to make sure that I know that person's fucking had the experiences that he's trying to tell me to get out of. Um, so I guess it's back to the other question about what, what could someone do? I guess you've got to have that hard look in the mirror and, and really know I guess not know, but okay, you know what you don't want because it's what you've got and it's not making you happy. It's got you, whether you've got addictions and addictions come in all forms like drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever it may be. I like to, it's a pothole analogy. Like there's a pothole on the road. You can fill it with sand, gravel, concrete, fucking bitumen. And that's kind of like what that, depending on which person chooses which thing. And sometimes for me, it was like all of them <laughs> at once, but some people might be gambling or, or, or just drugs or whatever it may be. But I guess what the pothole is, the pothole is your, the emotional hole, the pain and the suffering that you're feeling within due to experiences, due to you know, relationships or business or you know, the way you're treated or how you perceive the world that, and, but unless we actually start to work on, a pothole, why you feel the way you do, why you think the way you do, how it all works, then ultimately, you know, you don't need to try to stick something in it to fill the hole because we start to fill the hole through us thinking differently, through us um, feeling differently, through us, you know, acting differently within the world. And that obviously leads to, to your recovery. So, I mean, it's about knowing what you, what you don't want and making that commitment with yourself or reaching out to somebody that, you know that can that can help you in the direction and it's about then doing the work like you know you know that you've got a choice to make whether you come home and you spend two hours watching fucking netflix or you you know you download the app maybe Gaia, and you spend two hours watching these stories and, and these people that uh have different philosophies and different ways and it, you know it's not all spiritual woo woo shit the beauty about it is that science backs up all this stuff now so whether you're that sort of analytical person that needs to have a you know, if science is this, so it's, then that's all this all this information is available, and then start to you know, like you spoke about the twenty four million. Be aware of how you're spending your time because that will then start to raise your vibration. And the universe is the mirror. When we raise our vibration, then we get what we're putting out back at us. So if we're feeling like shit, we're putting out shit, then chances are shit's going to come back at you. We start to fix, bring our internal being up then all of a sudden a better experience comes along, a better job opportunity or maybe the better partner or more money comes. These things, you align with what it is that you, <laughs> that it is, is going to make you feel more fulfilled. I mean, abundance is our birthright. You know, so the thing is, well, and, and that's not to say abundance in, in the material sense because you come to Bali and you realise that you know, abundance in my belief is, is having a good state of being. These people here can have, next to nothing but you know what they've got they've got the biggest beautiful smile on their face there you can and it's not you can sense it's 100 percent genuine it's not you know you see in their eyes so that to me is also about reaffirms that um you know 
happiness comes from within. It's cliche as fuck, but it's, it's the truth. And I guess it's one step at a time and you're sort of, you know, know what you want or know what you don't want and then do the work that is required. Like they say, do something today that your future self will thank you for. And, it, sorry, bro. And that kind of, um, that relates to everyone because I think a lot of, a lot of people you see that are unhappy that they don't have, obviously, you know, they don't have the ice addiction. They don't have the alcohol addiction. You know, they're not, they don't have these major vices. They're uh, performing to society's norms. Like they might be earning a hundred grand a year, going to work, doing what they think they should be doing. And yet they're coming home and they're unfulfilled. It's like, you know, they are staring at that, the base of the tree. They're staring at the bark and they're, you know, what do I do? So it's just expose yourself, put yourself out there and start. Is that, you know, what, what you're kind of saying applies across that. You don't have to have this big rock bottom downfall. You've just got to work towards that fulfillment yourself, whatever that may be. hundred percent. And everyone's, everyone's rock bottom is a bit different, but I think we all have a rock bottom. It just comes in different forms. Um, but ultimately it's just about sort of, I guess my rock bottom was a bit more uh, maybe dramatic than others, but it's because I needed that rock bottom to be that way because it's the skill set that I needed to acquire to be able to do the work that I'm sort of here to do. Uh, and, and everyone's story is a bit different. That's why everyone's a bit different, but it doesn't mean that one's better or one's worse, or it's just that they're all different. It's just depending on our purpose, depending on our path. Like, And I guess just quickly for anyone that is sort of bouncing from you know relapse to relapse or struggle to struggle i mean probably the one of the i guess the most powerful things you could do at this point of time is is to sort of cast cast your whether you keep you might go a month or two months and then you relapse or or you might sort of you spend a few good days and then you get depressed again but if you marinate in um the bad the bad bit of, of feeling all like that when you're really down, don't kick yourself for being down. But it also, it's a tricky one because don't make fucking excuses for it either, but just be real about it and go, okay, well I've relapsed or I've this, but okay, it's not going to define me for where I want to go. Don't let it take the wind out of your sails because man, it took me, I tripped and stumbled and fucking got up and got down. And, and uh, I guess that was kind of looking back was a thing that I did sort of maybe, subconsciously or, or within or just kind of like I had this feeling that it was well a lot of the time was you know it's going to be okay kind of thing or just not like I spoke smoking when I smoke I'm like no I'm not a smoker <laughs> just something small like that I guess or if you you know don't affirm I'm a, you're a drug addict even though if you are taking drugs but don't make excuses for yourself either this is the conversations that you have to have within the mirror and know that the because words and thoughts obviously are vibration if we're already down and we're just throwing dirt on ourselves for being down, then the chances of you being able to increase your vibration, the, like there's so much fucking pennies on the dollar, you're going to get back up kind of thing. But that's kind of, I don't know, it's a, it's a tricky one because some people could use that as, you know, oh, it's fine, I'm going to get on a bag. No, I'm not a drug addict. I'll get on the bag all weekend and, and wake up Monday and make excuses for yourself. But once again, there's the conversations that you need to have within yourself in the mirror because it, at the end of the day, you're not fooling anyone else, but who's in the mirror, but just don't, don't kick the boot in for yourself when, when you are down, I guess. That's it's, it's so, it's so good to hear. I love hearing your, you know, as I said, your philosophies, your views and uh, 
hopefully people take a lot out of it. I th- you know, I think we're only just scratching the surface and what you're about and what you're doing, but I'm so glad I could just connect you and Keithy too and having the same room. Cause I'm always talking about you in, you know, as I said, talking about you, both of you to each other. So it's good that I, he could sit on this and listen to you and, you know, he gets to experience mm-hmm. firsthand. How's that Keith? He's oh. pretty, uh, he's got some pretty good shit. Eh? However, he just, uh, not saying much cause I'm, I'm taking notes over here on my phone. <laughs> so, you know, because I'll, I'll follow you on your on your socials and that, and so I've got a, an idea of what you're about. But to you know, kind of hear you dive deeper into what you're about, it's um my mind's turning. And I'm learning a lot. So you know, Keen, I've, I've taken down some of the books and that app that you've um that you've spoken about. So I'm going to definitely download that and, and look into it, man. I'm a big uh, we're, we're both big believers of um that mindset part, and and um yeah, definitely keen to to learn more, man. No, that's no, well, thank you, brother. Thank you. Sorry. What are your socials uh, there just to stay sorry. on that for Keithy? What, what Keith's saying he's following, he's, uh, he's watching you. Yeah, just um, or Justin Louis or Justin Triple Eight Louis. I love the eights. Eights are uh, sort of this, uh, it's a bit of a, once again a bit of spiritual stuff, but it's just that balance and harmony and in body, mind, and spirit. Um, the Chinese love them for good fortune, but also it comes back to just a um, yeah, they're good, they're good alignment, and I've sort of been addicted to them, so that kind of brings it's not about you know, it's. Once again, it's the body, mind, and spirit. It's not about emphasizing too much on the body and, or the mind. It's about trying to bring all those things into harmony. And I feel, well, I definitely know through my own experience, that's what's, um, it's, uh, it fucking works <laughs> for, for, for me. And I know it can work in other ways for, um, for a lot of other people. And Nomad Social Club, that's got their own, uh, you've got your yeah, own. And, and no, no, yeah, Nomad Social Club, um, for that one, that's for the, just the charity work we've been doing. But I put a, some stuff up on mine too, put the videos up on, and whatnot in it. And yeah, thanks for, um, yeah, lovely to meet you. And uh, well, I've sort of, yeah, like I said, we've been following each other on, on Instagram. So, good. Sorry, didn't get too much in, brother. I was sort of going on some. Uh, no, some no, no, there, no. I loved it, man. Hopefully, I loved it. Hopefully, it's. Um, I, oh, I mean, this thing is, if you know, even one person finds a, a, a dime in that, then that's fucking. I've done my job. Because that's kind of like what it's uh, what it's all about, and that's kind of like the mindset thing we talk about. Everybody has something to teach us, and if we can have that mindset with every engagement, every person, whether we think that that, because people teach us in the other ways too. Like someone by being, uh, yeah, you might go to a cafe and the waiter's like rude as fuck to you, but that person's a gift because it's given you an opportunity to to be able to control yourself emotionally uh, and not take that offensively. So I mean, that's a gift. I mean, you know. She, her being rude or he being rude or or so yeah i um i definitely do i'm definitely not fucking perfect by any means but my uh, i'm stuck to this path and committed to this path and that's how i sort of look at look at life and it's helped helped me uh and helps others tremendously no my man it's um it's yeah it's powerful what you're doing like you fucking you're a modern day mother Teresa and people could say that and, you know, you take the piss or whatnot, but you know, like genuinely what you're doing, it it's huge. And it's something that it's a path that very few people take regardless of, you know, what circumstances they come from life, whether they're well off or, you know, they're from a rough upbringing, what you're doing, man, you're putting yourself out there, you're creating your own path. And through doing that, like you've said, you're, you're a light worker. It's one of your favorite sayings. You're a light worker and, you know, you're providing now an avenue for other people that hopefully, you know, you know, myself, Keith, other people that follow us can, you know, follow your journey somewhat to our, you know, our own degree and, you know, find our own path and work towards 
hopefully getting towards where you're at now. And then hopefully when we get to where, where you're at now, you know, you're going to be further down the track, you know. Um, well, it's all yeah. about, well, thanks for, your, thanks for your kind words, Benny. I don't know about Mother Teresa, but I <laughs> definitely try to be. But, uh, well, let's see. I mean, it's about just trying to, you know, think differently and, and, and realise that there's a bigger picture. Um, and, and make, I definitely know that the things that I do differently now give me so much more to life than the other side of it. And I definitely have experienced the other side of it, so I'll keep sticking this path. And I mean, light work, same with you two brothers. That's what I love about what you guys are doing. Obviously, you don't speak to, um, much with, with Keith in person, but same, man. There's no coincidence that you used to obviously connect the way you do and what you guys are doing because and that's what it's all about is living that example. And it's about just being addicted to the, to the learning. As soon as we believe what we know everything, <laughs> that's fucking when we're in all sorts of trouble. Um, if we can stick to the of this learning and, and developing and growing, I mean, that's kind of like nature. The tree's not growing, that tree's fucking dead. And um, that's kind of like what, what life is. If your life is, is not growing in, in, all, in all aspects, like, you know, the spiritual, mental, emotional, the physical, then kind of like, well, you just sort of, you know, you, you're, you're pretty much dead. And unfortunately, with society, that's a big problem at the moment. That's why mental health and addictions and there's a lot of um, people are really suffering out there. That's what makes this this work even more important to be able to, like what you boys are doing, you're offering a different alternative, offering a different way of being because it's, uh, there's, there's definitely, is there, it can definitely not be enough of that in the world is my belief. Thank you, brother. And yes, thank you again for coming on. As I said, first of many episodes, I think with us and um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. You've got a big uh, trip out to the orphanage tomorrow. So people jump on your page. Well, what's tomorrow? Sunday. No, it'll be yesterday yeah. when we drop this. So either way, jump over to your pages, have a look at the good stuff you're doing. Uh, follow you because it's definitely beneficial to everyone. As I said, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, my man. Love your work. Love what you're doing. Keithy, my brother, thank you again. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll, uh, yeah, catch you next week.